welcome to the very first episode of Get Loud Sports. My name is The Coach, and I could not be more thankful that you are spending a little bit of time listening to me today. Um, quick introduction here for those of you that are not real familiar with me, and there's probably quite a few of you because I'm kind of changing courses here a little bit. Um, did a podcast from, oh man, this probably all started probably in 2019 into 2020 and early 21, I think is when we were doing this. And it was, uh, the loud majority show. And it was definitely a politics, uh, focused podcast. And as much as that all matters to me deeply, um, it's not something I'm super passionate about right now. And it's also, to be honest with you, it's extremely exhausting politics will wear you out it's not a whole lot of fun um i love sports i love sports that's where get loud sports comes from so i'm very appreciative that you're spending a little bit of time listening to me uh ramble on about things so just to give you a quick idea of what this show is going to look like it's going to be a little bit of everything for sure as i figure this out and kind of find where the groove is for it um you'll probably see Some things come, some things go, some coverage of certain things that stays a little heavier and some things that we just probably don't bother talking about because uh, if I don't care about it, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, But there's definitely going to be a lot of national sports conversation going on here. Um, Major League Baseball playoffs are coming pretty darn soon. I can't wait for October baseball, even though my team is dead in the water and eliminated themselves probably in the second week of April. I love baseball and I love postseason baseball. Uh, NCAA football, college football is in full swing. Uh, we're three to four weeks into it, depending on when your team schedule shakes out. And man, things are really starting to take shape. There's been some crazy upsets. There's been teams that were top 10 ranked to start that are already long gone and out of the playoff picture and some and some conferences in general and teams that are shocking people that are three and oh right now that have no business being three and oh but somehow here they are and we're going to talk about them uh nfl football week two wrapping up right now um we've got the bears and the packers playing right now for sunday night football as we record this other than monday night football week two is in the books so there's lots to talk about there uh basketball is not really a thing right now but the preseason will be coming soon along with the nhl uh there's a lot a lot to go over plus i I'm going to be honest with you right now, this this is a Michigan-based show, and uh, that's probably where the majority of our focus is going to come from uh, as far as uh, professional and collegiate sports go, but at the same time, there's a lot going on around the country, so we're going to try to cover everything as much as we can with the time that we've got to work with. Um, so expect to hear a lot about uh, University of Michigan, Michigan State, even Division II sports uh, from the state of Michigan, Grand Valley State and Ferris State University. Um, top, I believe, top five ranked Division II uh, football programs right now. Uh, great wrestling programs coming out of there. There's a lot to talk about D2-wise in the state of Michigan. Um, and where we're at in Constantine, Michigan, we're in St. Joe County, Michigan, just to narrow it down real detailed and let you know where we're coming from. Uh, we're going to do our best to cover local sports as well. If I can get a couple of guys on every now and then that are from the area and interview them on, you know, maybe somebody had a killer day on a Friday night and and we want to chat with them a little bit, you know, maybe we can try to do that. Maybe they're a, a Constantine football player. Maybe there's a three rivers kid. Who knows? We'll just kind of see how this goes as uh, as the show takes shape. Not really sure where it'll head with that kind of stuff, but if we can do those kinds of things, that would be fantastic. So 
expect to see a little bit of that for sure. Um, so another thing that another sport that we didn't even talk about that is huge for me that I spend a lot of time with is mixed martial arts. And obviously the UFC being the biggest organization involved in that. Um, in the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot going on with the UFC for sure. Uh, last weekend, there was a UFC pay-per-view, a uh, big fight. It was going to be uh, Nate Diaz's last fight on his UFC contract. And coming into that, he was supposed to fight uh, Hamzat. And I'm going to not even going to bother with his last name because I butcher it every time. Um, Hamzat comes into the weigh-ins. And you probably know about this. It was last weekend. Uh, came into his weigh-in about eight and a half pounds overweight. And the UFC had to come in and mix things up. And they they reshuffled the reshuffled the entire card to make this work because Hamzat is such a draw uh, as much as I thought he should have been just booted right off of the thing. They found a way to make it work. Uh, Nate Diaz ended up fighting Tony Ferguson. And uh, let's see, going through my notes here, uh, Hamzat ended up fighting Kevin Holland. So uh, Diaz and, and uh, Ferguson ended up being the main event. It was an excellent fight. Uh, both those guys are our old school mixed martial artists for, for sure. They've been around a long time. Uh, Diaz is one of my favorites. That guy, he's a love him or hate him kind of guy. And I absolutely love him. Uh, the attitude, uh, I, I love it. He's, he's one of my favorites for sure. And Tony Ferguson is, uh, he's as, he's as real as it gets too. And I, it's kind of tough to pick a favorite in that one, but, uh, Diaz definitely dominated the fight. Uh, one by submission, had himself a guillotine choke in, gave him the normal Nate Diaz flex when he knew the fight was over with, and uh, finished it. And the craziest thing about that was, um, this being his last fight on his contract, when Joe Rogan was interviewing him after the fight, he brought it up and said, Nate, I mean, obviously you're a fan favorite. The company loves you. We'd love to see you come back. What do you, what do you think is going to happen? And Diaz basically said, you know what? I'm going to take some time. I'm going to go show uh, all you guys how it's done. You know, Connor tried to do it. Other guys have tried to do it to go off and do other things. And he wasn't real specific about it. Uh, but he did He did say he's going to go off and try and do some other things. Uh, but then he also said he was going to come back and get himself a UFC title, which amazingly uh, has eluded him for his career. So I'm kind of shocked by that. But, man, I'd love to see Nate Diaz at some point come back. He's in his late 30s now, but. If he can make quick work of whatever it is that he thinks he's going to do, uh, and come back to the UFC and have a have a shot at a at a belt, man, I'd love to see Nate Diaz retire with the UFC championship, no doubt about that. And then uh, the same net, same night, the co-main event ended up being uh, Hamzat uh, fighting Kevin Holland. Uh, that was kind of a dirty fight, if you ask me. The way it started, uh, Kevin Holland came in to kind of tap gloves right off of the right off of the referee's cue to start the fight. He reached out to tap. Hamzat shot in and took him down um, and dominated from there. Uh, there was never really a fight to be had after that. Kevin Holland made no uh, no bones about the fact that this was not a good fight for him to be taking. Um, but you know what? He was down to fight anybody, and he was there to do a job, and he did. Unfortunately, uh, it was quick. It was a first-round first round finish for Hamzat, and uh, the crowd was definitely sure to let him know what they thought of him the entire time. It was a lot of booze coming down for sure, so... Uh, hopefully he got the point there because there's a lot of people that don't care for him right now, which is crazy because leading up to this, he, he was a fan favorite. The guy can fight, no doubt about it. For some reason, these guys that are coming from that part of the world, a lot of, like a lot of Dagestan fighters. A lot of them are coming out of, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov's camp in his area. And these guys are absolute killers and he's one of them. Um, 
But when you show up to a fight and it's a UFC main event on a pay-per-view and you're eight and a half pounds overweight, fans do not appreciate that. You've got a job to do. Making weight is part of it. And when you can't even come in on weight, people know about it. It's, it's, it's ugly. People were mad. Screwed up the entire card. Now, to be honest with you, as a Nate Diaz fan, I'm not super mad about the way it worked out because the way uh, way Hamzat took care of uh, Kevin Holland, not entirely sure. Nate really would have had a chance at him, but he ended up going out, finishing his contract with a win, and unfortunately, Kevin Holland had to take the L on that one, and it was pretty bad. But we'll see what happens with all these guys going forward. Uh, Tony Ferguson is definitely not done. There was a little bit of leaked information that I think came out yesterday or today that he may actually be joining the Diaz army and training with those guys in Stockton going forward, which would be amazing to see because they're all OG as it gets. So if Tony Ferguson's going to train with the Diaz crew, man, you better watch out for a whole different version of Tony Ferguson coming out pretty soon. So uh, that's interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on that. And then we'll have to wait and see, uh, see what does Nate do going forward? Because I mean, He's been around a long time, and he's got a lot of opportunity on on his plate as well. So we'll see where Nate Diaz goes from there, no doubt about it. Um, Sticking with combat sports, uh, last night was the trilogy fight between Canelo and Triple G. If I'm remembering right, there was a Canelo win, a draw, and those were the two. And then this one being the trilogy fight right here. And this was for the undisputed title. So this I, Canelo come down with like seven belts in his corner. And I'm a soup. I, I'm going to be honest with you right now. I don't follow boxing as close. As I do mixed martial arts, but this is a big fight. And I had to watch it. He had a bunch of belts in his corner. I'm assuming they're all the same weight class. Every, there's so many different boxing organizations out there that all have belts. He's got them all. And if this was for the undisputed championship, then all those belts were on the line for sure. Um, and unfortunately with Canelo being in his early thirties and triple G now being at, I believe 39, 40 years old, it wasn't exactly the fight that we were hoping for. This has been years in the making. And I think a COVID year kind of shut down the chance at a rematch a couple of years ago when it probably should have happened, but it's been five years now since these guys have fought each other and Canelo just dominated triple g for the first eight rounds for sure and after eight rounds triple g's corner finally woke him up and it got competitive but at that point there weren't enough rounds to make up the scorecards unless he came in with a knockout and that definitely was not going to happen uh so unfortunately that fight was not as eventful as it probably could have been two or three years ago um but at least we can have a little bit of closure on uh, that uh, storyline, as far as professional boxing is concerned, Canelo dominates uh, Triple G. The refs, the referee scorecards for the for that fight were uh, they were a little screwy. There were a couple of them that had it within a couple of rounds, and then there was one ref that I think had it pretty close, where it was probably an eight to four, nine to three type of situation. Um, but luckily, even though for some reason Las Vegas brings in the worst uh, judges for the main event fights, but the right the right guy won it was a unanimous decision no split decision controversy or anything like that so that's a done deal right there um so far in the nfl today like i said we got the packers and the bears going right now uh while i'm doing this i'm going to try and pull up some scores for you um let me see here so like i said right now we got we got one game going on holy cow this was 10-7 when i turned the computer on it is it is right now a 24 to seven Packers lead over the bears at halftime that got out of hand in a big hurry. So, uh, obviously 
it you know what it shouldn't surprise anybody last week the Packers looked terrible I think they were they were one of the lowest lowest scoring lowest yards from scrimmage teams in the whole entire NFL they looked really bad um and just like just like always Aaron Rodgers doesn't sweat it finds a way to figure it out um and they're destroying the the Bears right now so no big shocker there um like I like I told you in the intro I live in Michigan I'm a Detroit Lions fan. I've been suffering through this garbage my entire life. I was extremely happy with the way the Lions played. Uh, the, you know, it's what well, I'm going to go with Washington. We'll just go with Washington. I said this was this was this was my escape from politics here, so I'm not going to get into the team name. We'll just go with Washington. The Lions dominated Washington. Something, something serious in the first half of that game. They had them down 22 to nothing in the first half, uh, and then in the second. Out of nowhere, the Lions start playing a little bit of prevent a little bit too early in the third quarter, and Carson Wentz started picking the Lions secondary apart. They the their first drive uh, coming into the third quarter, they marched right down the field on big play after big play and scored on the Lions, and you could kind of see the Lions start to back off. Uh, it looked like Aiden Hutchinson might have been a little bit banged up, but I'll tell you what, for him he set a record. He's the first Lions rookie to ever have three sacks in a game. He did it all in the first half. He wasn't quite as effective in the second half as we would have loved to have seen him, but it looked like he was a little banged up, but stayed in the game. So we were glad to see him continue to play. Now the Lions have Minnesota coming up this next week, and you know, they're going to be a better team than Washington. Hopefully he can get healthy this week and he can get after Kirk cousins and really show him what the Lions are going to look like this year. So we'll see, but the Lions ended up coming out of that with a 36-27 win. That's huge. Uh, it was week 13 last year uh, before the Lions finally got their first win. So to be one and one right now and to have only lost to what I think is going to be a really, really good Philadelphia Eagles team last year, lost or this year, lost by three points last week. Um, I, things are different, man. I'm, I've been a Lions fan my whole life, so I'm really, really – uh, cautious to get too optimistic too soon, but I'll tell you what, Dan Campbell's got something different going on there in Detroit. Um, I can't wait to see what it turns into. They were going the right direction last year and right now they look like they're ready to go. So without getting too jumpy, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to see my lions finally do something. Uh, other finals from around the league, uh, for week two of the NFL season, we got the jets just squeaking one out over the Browns 31 to 30. And what in the world? Am I the only one that thought that Joe Flacco was retired? Has that guy just been like hanging out waiting for a chance or did they just take him off the couch in New York or what in the world? But anyway, they get the 31-30 win. Uh, Bucks over Saints 20-10. I believe that is Tom Brady's first win over New Orleans since he went to Tampa Bay. So that's pretty big. Uh, Giants take down uh, the Panthers 19-16. So Baker struggling to get it going. Uh, with them still, he hasn't quite gotten going. Uh, Patriots 17 to 14 over the Steelers. Mac Jones uh, looks to be all right. Uh, Jags 24 to nothing over the Colts. Holy cow, the Matt Ryan experiment in Indianapolis so far is looking to be maybe a wash two weeks in. I don't want to completely write them off that fast, but holy cow, the, the Colts are looking terrible. I'm the Jaguars are probably still going to be a bottom bottom of the barrel team this year and they destroy the Colts today uh you got the Dolphins 42 to 38 over the Ravens that game started off with the Ravens dominating on defense and I don't know what in the world happened later on in that one but that fell apart for them 
Uh, the Rams hold on to win over Atlanta, 31 to 27. Um, that that game was saved by a huge pick in the end zone. I believe Jalen Ramsey picked off Marcus Mariota in the end zone uh, to save a touchdown right there. The Rams had that one locked up and started letting it slip away from them in the second half. The defense was not able to hold down Atlanta's offense. And then crazy story here. You got you know what? We'll come back to it. So uh, oh, look at that. The Cowboys got themselves a win. I'll, You'll notice if you're following our Facebook feed, I am not a Dallas Cowboys fan. In fact, I'm a hater. I have always have been. You can't grow up in Michigan in the 90s and not hate the Dallas Cowboys if you're a Detroit Lions fan. It's just not possible. So I am a flat-out Dallas Cowboys hater. It looks like they did manage to get a 20-17 to win over the Bengals. How in the world the Bengals were in the Super Bowl last year and they are struggling the way they're struggling right now, I don't really understand, but that's where they're at right now. So uh, Cowboys 2017 over the Bengals. Uh, looks like Russell Wilson got himself a win. 16-9 uh, Broncos over Texans. And the Cardinals in overtime took care of the Raiders 29-23. to So that's interesting. Uh, first game of the week. Uh, on Thursday, I'm sure you already know this, but the Chiefs took care of the Chargers 27 to 24. That's an interesting matchup right there uh, between, uh, why can I picture him? What is my problem right now? Why is my brain shut down? Well, between the Chiefs and the Chargers anyway, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, a couple of the top young quarterbacks in the NFL right now that are definitely going to be the future of the league. That's a good battle right there. Now we're going to go back to the 49ers and the Seahawks. So I don't know what quarter this happened or not, uh, but Trey Lance went down uh, with an ankle injury, and it sounds like this is going to require surgery. Now, this is really crazy because if you are aware of what's been going on in San Francisco right now, they drafted Trey Lance last year, sat Jimmy Garoppolo during the season, and have not even been having him take any sort of practice reps at all. From what I gather, Jimmy G has been kind of practicing on his own with a different group of like practice squad guys and coaches. And they haven't even had him working with the first group, second group, anything in practice, which is crazy because to me, Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. When he went to San Francisco, they all of a sudden turned it around and started competing when they got rid of Alex Smith. Um, so I'm a little bit lost as to what the deal was with San Francisco and Jimmy G, but they have really just kind of put him on an island by himself. Well, all of a sudden, today, they needed him, and he showed up big time. So the Niners beat the Seahawks today 27-7. to That is a beatdown uh, by a quarterback that has basically been completely alienated by the team. This is crazy. Uh, so let's see here. So here's a quick headline from the AP after the shock of losing starting quarterback Trey Lance to a season ending injury wore off. That's crazy. Trey is gone. The San Francisco 49ers looked awfully familiar with Jimmy Garoppolo back at quarterback. So I wonder who in the front office and in the coaching staff for the 49ers is going to have to answer to this one where they decided they were moving on from Jimmy and going with Trey Lance, who looked awful last week for sure. And all of a sudden, Garoppolo comes back in and looks like same old, same old. They probably should have never gone the way that they went, but they did. And now they got now they got to answer for it. Jimmy G's back in San Francisco, and it's probably a darn good thing that they didn't trade him. So that is, uh, that is an interesting situation with the Niners, for sure. No doubt about it. One second. 
It's a lot of talking. You got to take a drink every now and right. My drink happens to be Kraken and Coke. So if you're into rum and Cokes at all, that's the drink. Uh, so let's see. We're going to take a take a quick walk around college football, and we're going to check out and see what the top 25 did because there's definitely some shakeups. Uh, so, all right. Again, Michigan biased. No two ways about it. University of Michigan beats UConn yesterday 59 to nothing. And they should have. I'm glad to see that they blanked them because there are some other throwaway games in college football yesterday. Uh, I mean, Alabama beat the University of Louisiana Monroe 63 to 7. They let them score on them. Mm, okay, I guess. Ohio State let Toledo score 21 points on them. Now they beat them 77 to 21, which is completely ridiculous but they let a Mac school like Toledo score 21 on them. Uh, I guess if Michigan's going to play these throwaway games, at least they're blanking these teams. Um, it looks like JJ is definitely the guy. Um, Cade McNamara did end up coming in yesterday uh, for a little while when the game was clearly wrapped up, and it sounds like he went out with an injury. I hope it's nothing serious because he's definitely their, their best. He's the best backup in college football right now if that's really the direction Michigan's going, and it sounds like they are. But I'll tell you what, Michigan's sitting at number four uh, coming out of this weekend, which is great and all, but their schedule so far, I can see it causing them some problems later on down the road when we're really still talking about a four-team playoff situation. If these are the kinds of teams you're going to play the first three weeks, if you've got a close one or a close loss or whatever to a, a top 25 team later on in the season, and you're talking about the playoff situation, these kind of games could come back and bite you. Now, I know everybody's going to say, well, Alabama does it every year, and you're right. Alabama does do this every year, and I can't stand it at all that they do this and still continue to stay number one, number two, whatever. They squeak one out against an unranked team last week, and they'd only drop to number two, and then they win yesterday, and they go right back to number one. I don't know what's going to end up happening. Um, looks like as of right now, they're still sitting two, but I don't know if that's updated. At any rate, I get the idea that, okay, so Georgia's sitting number one after beating South Carolina 48-7. to I just don't like to see Michigan playing these throwaway games. I don't know that it makes – in fact, I know that it doesn't make them any better. Um, they're dominating these teams like they should, but they're supposed to, right? They're the University of Michigan. They finally made the playoffs last year, finally beat Ohio State, won a Big Ten championship, went to the postseason for the first time. All of this, all first for Harbaugh, which is great, but for crying out loud, these Colorado State games, UConn games, they're, they're, they are throwaway games that you are supposed to destroy the other team, and they're doing that. It'll just be really interesting to see what happens when it gets a little bit later in the season. Do those games get held against them or not? Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. So there were some other, let me take a look here. Last week was full of upsets, no doubt about it. Uh, we had three major upsets last week in college football. Uh, let me see what else I could bring up that maybe. So, yes, okay, so this one's kind of nuts. Um, number 24-ranked Texas A&M uh, knocks down number 13 Miami. The U uh, took care of them 17-9. to That's a tight game. That's a good one right there. Uh, you had Clemson 48-20 over Louisiana Tech. Uh, by no stretch uh, an upset. Clemson was five. Louisiana Tech's not ranked. But they did keep that probably a little bit closer than it should have. 
Uh, number 18, Florida, only takes out South Florida, 31 to 28. Uh, the Bulls darn near made that one an upset for the Gators for sure. Um, this one, this is interesting the way this one worked out. So you got Michigan State playing Washington yesterday. State comes into this game ranked 11th. Washington unranked, but Washington favored in this game by three and a half points. Uh, so that tells you right there that the uh, the AP or the coaches poll or whatever one we're going with here thinks a lot more of Michigan State than the betting line does because that one, uh, that was lopsided as all heck. Washington was destroying Sparty for the majority of this game. Uh, came back and made it a little tighter than it was most of the four quarters they played. But even still, Washington takes down Michigan State 39-28. to 28. Uh, so as far as the rankings are concerned, that's a huge upset. As far as the betting line goes, uh, state didn't even cover the spread either way. That's a, that's a crushing loss for Michigan state. And this one comes right back around to rival weeks. When you get Michigan state and Michigan, which is just down the road, a few weeks, Michigan has been banging up nobodies and Michigan state looks awful right now. And We'll have to wait and see what that one looks like because that's always a tight game every single time it's played. Um, we're going to take a switch over to baseball right now and take a look at uh, what the playoff picture is starting to shape up like. Obviously, we all know who the top teams in baseball are. I'm going to take just one second and dig through some notes here right now and see where we're looking right now. Um, I'll tell you what, it's interesting to see how things shake out when you one second here. It's interesting to see how things shake out when teams that were supposed to be great early in the season are eliminated early on and how the playoff picture shakes up a little bit. But right now, um, we're just a few weeks away from the postseason. And it looks to me like, uh, and I hate to say this, uh, the Astros are running away with the American League right now. Uh, they're seven and a half games ahead of the Yankees, which are the next closest team in the American League. And the Dodgers have it locked up in the National League right now. They are nine games ahead of the Mets, who are actually playing way out of their minds right now, for sure, too. Uh, let's take a look here at the wild card situation. So it looks like right now in the American League, the Blue Jays and the Rays uh, are in pretty commanding shape of the wild card for the American League. And let's see here. So you've got the Braves and and actually the the Padres have kind of found a way to get it back together a little bit right when they had to. Uh, the Braves are running away with a wild card spot for sure uh, with that side of the National League being so heavy. Um, but the Padres are a, a half game ahead of the Phillies right now, so that's still pretty darn tight. Uh, but as far as, let me see if I can get to the division standings here real quick. Let's take a look here. Give me a chance here. So, yeah, the Yankees pretty well have it locked up in the American League East as much as I hate to say it. They're five and a half ahead of Toronto. Um, I'm sure they're going to have to play each other a couple of more times before the season's over. But um, if Aaron Judge keeps doing what he's doing, um, they're probably going to be just fine over there. But Toronto and Tampa Bay, it's just crazy how the American League East just dominates the entire uh, league right now. They've got the got the wild card spots, best team in ba best team in the league um, outside of Houston. It's just I can't stand that whole division. But like I said, I'm a Tigers fan. 
and we're sitting at dead last in the central right now at 55 and 91. Gosh, dang, we're ugh, two and a half games behind the Royals right now. That's ugly. So 55 and 91 Tigers with a few weeks to go eliminated from the playoffs. God knows how long ago. It's pretty bad. Let's take a look at the overall and see. This is just me being curious because I honestly haven't watched in a while. Ah, that figures. Oakland is the only team right now in the standings worse than the Tigers. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know me personally, Oakland has kind of always been my like closet backup team. Everybody, you know, if you're a diehard fan, you've still got a backup team just in case your team ever ceases to exist, right? Well, for me, it's always been the Oakland A's because back in the day when I was a kid, they had the Bash brothers out there. They had Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, and Oakland was where it was at for sure. Um, and Moneyball is one of my favorite movies. So the A's are always my backup team. So the Tigers and the A's holding down the basement in the American League for this season. The Tigers are one of the biggest disappointments in baseball this year for as well as they played last year. We really expected that they were going to hold on and uh, improve. And instead, they slid hard the other direction. Some injuries, uh, Javier Baez deal that hasn't paid off. Um, there's a lot of things working against the Tigers. Uh, the National League, uh, the only thing that saves for me is the Cubs are eliminated. I'm a Cubs hater. Can't hate, can't can't help it. It just is what it is. Um, they're eliminated. That makes me feel a little bit better. So that's where we're at in baseball right now. But it looks like the Dodgers and the Astros are going to run away with it. We'll be right back on Get Loud Sports. <laughs> Right. Thanks for hanging with us right there. We're back from our break. So if you don't know how some of this podcast stuff works, we record this on anchor podcasts and you get to do 30 minute chunks at a time. So that right there was it. And we're back. So what we're going to try to do every week is focus on some local sports as well. Um, and right now, obviously the big deal is, uh, let's see, the big deal is high school football. Obviously we got some soccer, we got some cross country and all that. Uh, but the big, Big sport, obviously, in the fall is football. I've got kids that play football and soccer as well. Um, where we really hit it hard in Constantine, especially, is football. That is uh, that's where we're that's where we're the best. So I'm going to try to spend a little bit of time, at least once a week, uh, going over all of the football highlights in St. Joe County. Uh, lucky for me, there's a lot of really good football being played around our area right now. Um, and so I want to kind of go over some of the local scores and all that. So, um, what we had over this last week, we had Colin, uh, taking care of Lenawee Christian, uh, 40 to 24. Lenawee was actually a two-time defending state champ, uh, that had been on a winning streak. I don't remember exactly what the numbers are, uh, but that's a big deal for Colin to win that. Uh, we got Centerville taken down Decatur in division eight, 54 to six. That's a beat down on the Raiders for sure. We'll see if Centerville's got it back together or not. It's been a little shaky looking lately, um, but it looks like they are for real right now. Uh, we got White Pigeon taking down Comstock, another Division Eight game, 62-7. to That is a beating. Uh, this is an interesting one for me. Uh, I am in Constantine now, but I grew up in Three Rivers. Uh, Three Rivers beat Niles uh, this last Friday, 27-21. to And something I did not realize is, uh, prior to this game, uh, Scott Shaw, who was the varsity head coach for all the year, all the years in the nineties, uh, and after, I believe for a little stretch anyway, uh, Scott Shaw, who was the, uh, three rivers wildcats head coach is actually, uh, coaching in Niles right now with the Vikings. And unfortunately 
Uh, his return to Three Rivers did not go well. Uh, the Wildcats took down Niles 27 to 21. And so those are some of the scores. I'm going to get to a few others here in just one second. I got to get back around to the notes. Again, like I said, there's a lot going on here. Um, give me one second here. I'll get get to the rest of my scores. Uh, obviously, for me, the big game of the week is always going to be the Constantine Falcons. Um, big win there, Constantine over Schoolcraft, 55-22. to 22. Give me one second. I'm going to get to, like I said, the rest of my scores. Apologize. Bear with me here for just one second. Hey, one thing I want to thank anybody that's listening right now uh, that's also part of the Facebook community for Get Loud Sports. Um, put this thing up like a week ago, uh, and we're already past 100 likes. Now, I know that's not a big deal. There's pages out there with, with thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of likes, whatever. But you know what? For me, to get past 100 likes, and I know that a lot of the people that like the page are personal friends of mine, people that I know, people that just accepted my invite off my friends list, but some of you aren't, and I really appreciate that. You know, and so one thing I would like to ask you to do, if you're enjoying the, the Get Loud Sports page, or if you enjoy the Get Loud Sports podcast, just share it around a little bit, help grow the community. I mean, I don't, I don't need to, I have no no dreams to get to millions of followers or likes or anything like that. But you know what? This is really fun for me, and I really do enjoy talking sports. And I hope that if you're spending a little bit of time listening, I hope you enjoy it. So uh, thanks to anybody that's part of the community one way or another, uh, getting over 100 people to uh, to see what we're doing here uh, in under a week. That's a big deal to me. So I just want to say thanks to anybody that's involved with that. Uh, a couple more scores from around the St. Joe County area. Uh, Menden took care of Bloomingdale big time, uh, 54 to 8. Uh, like I said, uh, we already went over. Colon took care of Lenawee Christian. Pigeon over Comstock. Centerville over Decatur. Three Rivers uh, knocked out Niles 27 to 21. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like the only loss I've got to report in the area is Sturgis uh, falling to Pawpaw. That was a uh, 56 to 42. Um, and then we've got Constantine. Like I said, where i'm from go falcons um and this is a big one for us 55 to 22 um that last score it was uh it was tighter than that up until the very end of the game schoolcraft managed to get a score kind of in garbage time when coach was uh working a lot of a lot of subs back into the game to try and get some guys some playing time um so it wasn't even really that close this this was a domination all, all the way around um I'm going to go over a few stats from the from the game. Uh, Constantine, again, like I said, 55-22 over Schoolcraft. Um, unfortunately, Schoolcraft has dropped down to Division 7, so this doesn't really have a whole lot of playoff implications, but this will always be the biggest rivalry that you see uh, in the area, in the sack, for sure. Um, I'm going to go over some, uh, some stats, total yards in the game. Uh, Constantine, 532 total yards compared to Schoolcraft's 291. Passing, if you know anything about our football program here in Constantine, passing yards aren't something we really talk about. Schoolcraft out threw us in the air, 191 to 35. But on the ground is where the Constantine Falcons really make it count. And that was 497 rushing yards to Schoolcraft's 100. Uh, 27 first downs to Schoolcraft's 18. We just dominated them all the way around it wasn't even a game from the start and that is exactly the way we like to see it uh rushing leaders for the falcons we had dom jacobs go for 209 yards and three scores 
Braden Clark for 160 yards and four scores. Uh, Lucas Hagaboo uh, chipped in at 66 yards and a touchdown. And Bennett Vandenberg uh, kind of sharing time between fullback and tight end with 64 yards of rushing. Uh, Schoolcraft, a little salty, not reporting a whole lot of stats on this one, so I can't really talk about it too much. Uh, we had two completed passes uh, from the Falcons, and hey, if you know us, that's kind of a lot. Carter McGee had one for 20 yards, and Dom Jacobs one for 15 yards. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball for the Falcons, we had Isaac Moore. Uh, that's my man right there. Eight tackles and a pick. Caleb Bontrager, nine tackles. Dom Jacobs, four tackles and one for a loss. Uh, Carter McGee, uh, seven tackles. Josh Outlaw with two. Braden Clark with five and one for a loss. Michael Featherstone with two tackles. Cody Cox managed to get himself in there with a tackle, right along with Carter Godfrey with one. We had a lot of guys contributing on defense here. I could go on and on with the with the list of stats for quite a while now, but you get the idea. It was uh, it was a good game by the Constantine Falcons for sure. Uh, puts us in a really good position after this one is over with, and feeling good about where we're uh, where we're at going into this week against Water Valite. Um, so again, like I said, that is uh, that's kind of the wrap on on local sports as far as. As far as football goes, I'm going to go ahead and take a look back at one other thing right here I'd like to mention before we wrap it up. Um, just got a couple, uh, let's see here, just got a couple updates coming in on the Facebook page right while we're doing this. And like I said, I really do appreciate the interaction on that. Um, if you're if you're part of that community, give it a like, give it a click, give it a little bit of a share. Same thing with the podcast if you are enjoying it. Um, and again, I'm going to go back to see if there's anything new. I'm going to be honest with you right now. I'm getting a lot of our local sports news from the Joe insider page. Those guys do a really, really good job of keeping you up to date on everything happening in St. Joe County. Um, looks like that's about the size of it right now. That'll pretty much cover it. Um, and you know what, just so nobody can say that I'm hating on it. I will report. I did not know that the WNBA was in the finals. Apparently that's over with. It is what it is. WNBA championship is over. The Aces won it. Um, I don't know where the Aces are from, but the Aces won the WNBA championship. If any of you watched it, if you were paying attention, uh, help me out. Let me know where they're from. Let me know what they did. Um, yeah, I don't really watch WNBA basketball nor do I know anybody that does watch it. From what I gather, uh, the league loses millions of dollars every year. The, the NBA has to subsidize it, and that's kind of where it's at. So, um, yeah, not a whole lot to add to that. But anyway, WNBA season is over. Uh, I think that maybe it's the Las Vegas Aces one. Um, check. One question I would like to throw out there, just to wrap up the local sports part of this. So I'm looking at, at least in our county, Colin and Menden playing eight-man football. And this is this is something I'm curious to see what you guys think about this. So I look at a school like Menden, who when I was younger, when I was growing up, they were an every-other-year state champion. No doubt about it. And then uh, when Coach Schwartz retired over there, um, they stopped getting some of the school of choice kids in from like the other side of Three Rivers, south side of Schoolcraft and Vicksburg, and they were close enough to get to Menden, and they knew they had a chance to really do some winning over there with the football program. 
but now they don't get those kids anymore. And as time went on, the program seemed to drop off, and now Menden's playing eight-man football. And they seem to be pretty darn good at it, but it's crazy to think that they can't put a team on the field that can compete in your standard 11-on-11 football. Colin was the first one in our county uh, outside of Baroque to go to uh, eight-man football, but they're taking 30 guys on the roster, 30-plus guys to state championship games. The way I get eight-man football, and I mentioned Baroque, and even if you live in St. Joe County, Michigan, you may not know anything about Baroque. They're kind of out there in the middle of nowhere. It's not on the way to anything. It's the smallest town I've ever seen. I've I've been there literally one time ever, and it's when one of my kids was playing junior pro basketball, and we had a game over there. And their entire school district is in one school. Their graduating classes are between 15 and 20 kids. I understand that for a school like that, eight-man football allows them to go out and still play. You can't put 25, 30 kids on a team when you're graduating 15 to 20 kids out of a class. It's not going to happen. So eight-on-eight football, to me, makes sense for a town like that. But what I don't understand is when you run into teams that are bringing 25 guys to a game and they're playing eight on eight. Why are you not playing regular football? I, I don't get it in our area. We've got Martin. We've got climax Scott's. We've got Colin. We've got Menden. You know what? Maybe you're going to have a couple of down seasons where you're just not very good. You're kind of getting your face kicked in playing football and it is what it is. And that's life. Sometimes you can't compete every single season. Sometimes. I mean, now, some teams do. Um, Constantine's had one one losing season in, what, 20, 25 years, not made the playoffs once in that amount of time. We've been very, very fortunate to have a system, a program, a coaching staff that's been very consistent, and we've built it from the youth level up. And sometimes you don't always have that. Sometimes you're just not great. But does that mean that you drop down even with numbers that would allow you to play 11-man football and you go down to 8-man and you beat up on teams that are in that in that situation because they just don't have the numbers, but you're playing them just because you can win at that but not at 11-man even though you've got the numbers? Is that right? So my question is, I get the reason that 8-man football exists, but should be should there be a limit on roster size? Should it be 20 guys? 20 guys and below, you can play eight on eight, but 21 and up, you don't. You got to go back up and play 11-man and widen your field out and play on a real football field again. Or do you just let it be a free-for-all, and if, if you've got 40 guys, you can't win at 11-on-11 football, you can go play eight-man? Is that allowed? Is that the way it should be? What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. My take on that would be if you hit, uh, there should be a roster limit for eight man football because it doesn't make any sense to me to have 30 guys on the roster and show up and play a state championship in eight man football. You can clearly put a, put an 11 guy team on the field. Maybe that's what you should be doing. So anyway, something to chat about, something to talk about. Um, those are my thoughts on it anyway. So if you've got, uh, if you've got any suggestions for what this show could do, 
Um, if there's something you think we should cover that we're not, if you think there's something we could be doing better than we are right now, drop it in the comments. Um, we're going to put the, we're going to put the podcast out on anchor and Spotify for sure. There'll be some other platforms, no doubt about it, that, uh, that we drop this thing on for sure. Uh, looking for it on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts. Uh, I'm going to try to kind of use the same, uh, hosting methods that I did for the loud majority show. But like I said, I'm having a lot more fun with this as a uh, get loud sports. So again, thanks for listening to the first episode, suggestions, comments, whatever, hate mail, send it. I don't care. Have fun with it guys. I really don't care. Um, I want this to be somewhere where we can all enjoy what's going on in our local sports, uh, statewide sports and national sports. Um, and again, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been, uh, this has been the very, very first episode of Get Loud Sports, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back in a few days with uh, with a few more updates. Until then, have a good one.